Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. You are the leader of your family. Are you moving closer to God or running from Him? Are you accepting that responsibility for the eternal kingdom for you and your family? Like such a big deal. So as we're becoming better dads, learning from each other, experts, athletes, ordinary and extraordinary dads, successes and failures, remember there is only one perfect man (laughs) and we're not it. That's not us at all. So as we strive for progress, not perfection, let's all join together on this journey of a Christian dad and lead our families. Here we are. Welcome. We got Blake Brewer with us. I am so excited to have you with us. We got connected by a great guy I know named Brian McRae, who I guess you guys got connected through Aaron Walker, if I'm pronouncing his oh, yeah. name correctly. I think think I got it right now after years of work on that one. It was a little easy intro. He said, you guys will know what to talk about. And your story just fascinated me ever since we talked weeks ago. I've just continued to think about our conversations and think about your life and, you know, frankly, how I've got a fan, you know, being a sports fan and stuff, I've got a connection to a whole bunch of different guys in the sports industry, players and executives and managers, coaches, all, you know, the the accountant for one of the sports teams around, you know, that talks about giving out meal money, all this stuff. But anyway, and so I've got to see little kids whose dads were famous athletes and the, the wives and the girlfriends. So I've got to see that picture of life. You've actually lived that life and have a story that goes around it that leads into a pretty significant day, which then has launched a bigger story for you. A friend of mine's got a, a podcast called Bigger Story out there also, so kind of yeah. funny there. But anyway, Blake, I'm so happy to have you here. I'm honored that you'd share your story with us. And why don't you fill our listeners in on a little bit about who you are, where you came from, where you are right now. And, you know, I'll let you just take it. I don't want to spoil it because yeah. the way you say it's so good. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Dan. I'm really excited to, to be here and to talk to you ever since, same with here, man. Ever since we talked on the phone that day, uh, I knew that you were a special guy. So it's kind of uh, pretty cool to get to talk to you today. Well, as you were kind of alluding to, uh, my claim to fame growing up uh, was that my dad was Terry Bradshaw's uh, tied in. So uh, that was kind of my identity growing up. Yeah, my dad was Terry Bradshaw's tied in at Louisiana Tech and he caught his first touchdown pass and they were roommates. You know, if you read Terry Bradshaw's biography, you can see these stories about some of the crazy things they did in college. And then I have this like really cool picture of my dad and uh, Bradshaw in the Oval Office with President Nixon. So my dad got drafted by the Falcons, but he got hurt pretty soon after. So my my dad was not actually that famous. He was maybe in North Louisiana. The people who followed Louisiana Tech, like you go anywhere down there, especially older people now, they're like, oh yeah, Bradshaw, your dad, Tommy Spinks. Yeah, we know all about those guys. But right now, I would say I'm more known for my family. Uh, I have a beautiful wife, Amanda. We're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then uh, we have a four-year-old Gracie Kate and a two-year-old named Bo. And Bo came out of the womb at 11 pounds. 
and it was crazy and we're glad he got out of there and my wife is pregnant right now with our third son and she is just praying to god that he is not an 11 pounder (laughs) (laughs) we talk about it daily absolutely that's awesome so sounds like you've got just a great family and supportive wife and you know grounded in christ and have a a faith-based side to you for sure after we talked i was thinking about you mentioned a number of different times about how honoring your father is just so important to you we'll get into reasons why you know that's on that top 10 list that's pretty famous honor your mother and father yeah oh yeah i'm like that was important to me as a kid (laughs) might be more important to me as a dad oh yeah well, you know, that's what happened to me. I became really passionate about fatherhood once I actually became a, a father four years ago. And I realized, man, how important it is to be not just present in my children's life, but actually involved. And I started even looking at some of the stereotypes of fatherhoods and some of the negative stereotypes and just the world that we're living in right now tells us that fathers aren't needed. But you and I know that fathers are needed you know, we can look at stats, we can look at the Bible, and we know that fathers are needed. And I would say, you know, we can look around the world right now and see where there isn't fathers and see, you know, some of the negative consequences of that. And so, man, more than ever, I think we need fathers to step up. But I would also say, more than ever, it's harder to be a father in the world that we're living in. And it's harder to connect with our children than ever before. If you look at all of the influences and voices in our children's life, Uh, You know, they weren't there 20 years ago. They weren't there 100 years ago. But now uh, I was looking at a stat yesterday. Most children spend on average seven to nine hours on the screen with screen time every day. And so as a father, we're trying to guide our children and be that voice in our children's life. And we're having to compete with nine hours of screen time. And so we have to work even harder. We can't just step back and say, okay, well, you know, I give up. I, you know, I can't compete with the screen or compete with the world because literally, the world through the screen and through all social media and everything else is screaming at our children. Hey, come do it this way. Come follow me this way. Come make this decision. And we know as fathers that, uh, man, we've got to step up and we have to get through all of that because our children not only just want to hear their father's voice, like we know they absolutely need to hear their father's voice. So I've become very passionate about that. Man, that is such a such a good point. Seven to nine hours of competition. So who do they spend more time with, you or a screen? And who knows what's on that screen? And one of our things as a dad is we got to protect not only our our spouse, our girlfriends, or whatever the case is. We got to protect our kids, our families. That's what we do. And you look at that as something you got to protect your kids against also. Oh, exactly. Well, and so for me and kind of this journey that I'm on, you know, I mentioned once I became a father and all, you know, I realized, you know, how hard it is to be a father. But like a lot of us, we start to look back at our own fathers. And I became so appreciative of my father and um, the time that he invested in me. And I just have these memories of him praying with me and reading the Bible with me, um, being my football coach, taking me camping, like all of those like good, great fatherly things. But my dad passed away when I was 19 years old. Um, I'm 37 now. 
my dad's voice is still guiding me to this day, even though uh, he's been gone for almost 20 years now. He, he did something very specific that we're going to talk about, but that yeah. doing that one action is what is still guiding me today that I'm like, oh my gosh, like every father needs to do this for their children. You mentioned something that, that I just love hearing how guys experience with it is. It's something that we can be a little vulnerable or not be vulnerable that prayer, you mentioned your dad prayed with you. It sounds like individually. Yeah. My, what, was, what was that like? Well, it's pretty neat. So, so my sister is a year younger than me. So it was actually us together. And so okay. he would come down and a lot of times I would go to my sister's bed and it would be the three of us praying. And we would, I mean, we prayed a lot of the same prayers. We would pray uh, for the firemen. I remember we'd pray for the policemen. Yeah. We would, thank, we would thank God for our house, for our food and the sheets that cover us up. Like we, I said that phrase like for most of my childhood growing up and we would pray together. And I actually remember there was a point in my life when my dad was in my room praying with me. And I said, dad, I think I've, I think I'm old enough now to pray on my own. And it was nothing like I didn't want my dad. I just kind of saw it as my, this badge of honor. Like, you know, I don't need my dad's help. I can pray on my own. And looking back, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like why would I tell my dad to not do that cuz I cherish those memories. Like, no, I, I you know, I wish my dad was here today that I could pray with him. Um, yes, yes. So just, those misunderstandings. So, yeah. so dad's out there if you ever hear something like that, that might not mean what it sounded like. Right, exactly. <laughs> I remember a couple of times as a kid where I said something and then I realized the eternal ramifications of the misunderstanding that just happened because I was declaring my independence. Yeah. And honestly, in my, you know, childhood mind, I thought, Oh, my dad will be proud of me. Like, I don't, I can do this on my own. It's like, I don't need training wheels anymore. I can ride the bike without training wheels. Dad will be proud of me. I can pray without him. Cause I kind of saw it as like this kid thing. And it's like, not a kid thing at all. Like I, you know, I would pray with my father right now if he was here and I would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So dad, stay curious. If your kid says something like that, maybe they also mean, and I'd still like to pray with you, but yeah. omitted that part. So that doesn't mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. So yeah, that's that's something I've been uh, pretty intentional about praying with my kids and working on praying with my wife. So I mentioned vulnerability and we're going to talk a little bit about that, I think coming up as well. But we're afraid to share with those closest to us, whether it's our kids or wife or what have you. But I think prayer is so important to praise, thank, ask, you know, and it sounds like you, you were doing that as a kid too. So what a cool thing. Well, I'll let you speak to that. It sounds like you think that was a pretty cool thing to have planted in you at a younger age. Oh yeah, absolutely it was. And so then, you know, I like to kind of share because Yes, my dad did that thing, but there was even something more special that he did for me that I discovered when I was 19 years old. And yeah, I was going to say, I'd like to get into that. Like we talked about one, honoring your father. We talk and kind of what we're about to talk about, you're extremely passionate about. It's a topic that I've uh, bounced around upon with a few other people, but nobody has been quite as intentional, researched, like, and I understand why you're passionate about this. So yes, please share, share that because I am I even want to hear more about it. Yeah, like, We already talked about it, but I want to hear more. I, I really want to dive into this now. Well, I'm sure your audience at this point is like, okay, what is this one thing? <laughs> and I can't wait to tell you, but to really understand it, you have to, I have to tell the story of my dad passing exactly 
how that happened to fully understand that. So you don't mind if I share that story real quick, do you? Uh, no, I, I would be offended if you shared it real quick. Okay. Take as much time on this one as you want, because this this one's a this one's a big story. This is one friend of mine from grade school that she did something years ago that was a big big deal in my life. And all it was very simple. She just encouraged me and gave me some confidence that I wasn't that goofy, gangly kid that was never going to accomplish anything in life. She looked me in the eyes and she said, which felt weird being like seventh grade and a girl looking you directly in the eyes. And I thought, <laughs> what's she going with this? Like, this feels weird. And I realized that she wasn't hitting on me or anything. But she, And she just simply said something along the lines of, you know, talked about my appearance a little bit, my eyes, my eyelashes, whatever, and talked about how friendly I was and kind of said you should have even more confidence in yourself and believe in yourself or something. Whatever the words were, they made me feel so awesome. Anyway, she passed away a couple of nights ago. Oh, man. And I had I'd given a speech to a group of about 200 people, and I kind of shared that story when you're a goofy little kid and somebody gives you the courage and confidence and that. And it stuck with me all my life. And I invited her to be there the day of the speech, but she had another engagement and couldn't be there. And I never had a chance to tell her about it, like what she had done for me. With her passing, so many people have shared similar stories about what she did for them. So like what you're about to share, like I totally connected to it right now. And even more so because I just went through a similar big deal experience. And so anyway, please share share as much as you want because like this story is is a big deal. It's a really big deal. Well, I appreciate it. We I was 19 years old. I just finished my freshman year of college at Arkansas and we took a family trip to Hawaii. And my mom had planned a lot of trips growing up, but, you know, snow skiing or Florida, but I mean, this was wise. So this was like the pinnacle of all our vacations. And man, we were so excited to be in Hawaii. First morning there, we go to the beach, Hanuma Bay. Uh, some people pronounce it Hanuma Bay. And my and dad who, and, and I... Who, who was there on this trip? So it was my, my mom, my dad, and my sister, and then my brother and grandmother were there. Okay. So it's a group. Yeah, a group of us. And my dad and I were out snorkeling and man, it was just, it was amazing. Like it was just one of the, the greatest days of my life. Starting off is one of the greatest days of my life. We just saw some beautiful fish. We saw a sea turtle and my dad and I just kept going out further and further. And we were in this bay. So it was shaped like a horseshoe. And so we were going up the side of kind of the if you imagine a U, the right side of the U and just going up and getting further and further from the beach. And all of a sudden we kind of enter this area that I know now is called Witch's Brew. And the waves were, had picked up and they were really big. And I kind of picked my head up out of the water. I'm like, man, where's my dad? And I uh, look over and I see my dad getting out of the water onto this rock. And I knew that this was not good because the waves were just crashing against the rock. And I'm thinking, why is he trying to get out of the water right there? And sure enough, he's about halfway out and halfway up and this wave just crashes against him and knocks him back down in the water. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I start swimming to him. At this point, I'm pretty tired myself because we've been snorkeling forever. And I'm like, I have to get out of the water. So that same rock that my dad tried to get out of the water on is, is the only place to really get out at this in this area. And by the grace of God, I was able to get out of the water. A wave didn't hit me. I stand on top of the rock and I look down in the water and my dad, I'll never forget it. Uh, he was treading water 
but I could tell he didn't have a lot of energy and he just started yelling, help, help. And oh my gosh. So I turned back around. The beach is so far away. I have no idea if the lifeguards can see me, but I start waving profusely and yelling for help. I turn back around and my do- my dad is still just kind of there in the water treading. And I'm thinking I, I can either just stand here or I can, I can do something and, and jump in after him. And I just couldn't stand there and just watch and let nothing happen. So I jump in after my dad and I start swimming toward, towards him. And he wasn't that far away, but in the, the moment that I was swimming, um, he, he had gone under the water because when I got to him, my dad was unconscious underneath the water, just kind of floating there. And I mean, I'm having all kinds of thoughts like, oh my gosh, like this is even more serious than I thought. And um, I've got to get my dad to shore, but how do I get my dad? There's not a clear place to get to shore. I've got to get around to the other side of this rock. And, you know, as I mentioned, my dad was a football player. He was tied in big guy, 6'3", 230 pounds. So I've got to figure out a way to swim with my dad to get him to shore and, and amongst these huge waves. And so I just started swimming, put my arms around him and made it a little ways. And all of a sudden a man appeared on top of that rock that I'd been standing on. And I think he'd been snorkeling in the area and heard me yelling for help. And he jumped in after us. And when he got to us, we kind of tried to swim with my dad for a couple seconds. And I told the man like, man, I, I can't make it. Like I'm about to go under myself. And he told me to swim to shore And so he continued to swim with my dad and looking back, I'm so grateful that that man showed up because I think my life was saved. And as I was swimming to shore, um, the lifeguard passed me on his surfboard and swam out to my dad, got my dad on the surfboard and they came back in and, and started doing CPR to my dad. And I remember them doing CPR and I'm just right there next to my dad and I just knew at any moment that it was going to be like the movies where the water just kind of starts coming out of their mouth and, you know, they open their eyes and my dad was going to come too. And I remember praying to God, like, God, just let my dad live. God, please let my dad live. Um, My mom and sister who had been laying out on the beach, they kind of looked up and saw all this commotion going on and saw the lifeguards. And that's when they said, Oh my gosh, that's where Blake and dad were. And so they ran up and I'll never forget my mom's look as she ran up to me and realized that it was dad. And I just, I, I said, it's, it's not good. I don't think he's going to make it. And so <clears throat> they loaded him in the ambulance. My mom went with him and they went to the hospital. And uh, once they got to the hospital, they pronounced my dad dead. And it was, I mean, as you can imagine, I mean, anytime that that someone passes, it's so hard, but it was for me being in Hawaii, it felt like we were in a different country because we were so far away from home. And it was just like this beautiful, wonderful day. And then just in a matter of moments, like my dad's life was gone and I just couldn't believe it. And I was asking God, I remember back in the condo that afternoon and I'm just sitting there mourning weeping and asking God you know what is the purpose in life is there even a God like you know if there is a God do I even want to live for this God just all those types of questions and that's when my mom um, walks into the room and she 
has something in her hand and she comes over to me and says, Blake, your, your dad's been working on a letter for the last couple of months and he finished it a couple of weeks ago and he was going to give it to you on this trip. I just got it out of a suitcase. Here it is. I had no idea that this letter existed. Um, my dad had no idea that he was about to, to drown. And so in God's provision, he allowed my dad to, to write this letter and I began to read it. And man, it was unbelievable. Some of the things that my dad wrote in there and I ended up being my dad's kind of final words to me. And my dad encouraged me in my faith. He encouraged me uh, to persevere through all situations. Um, and he encouraged me to have courage. The last line of my dad's letter was, you're going to be a minority here on earth, but I assure you, once you get to heaven, you'll be in the majority. Love your dear old dad in Christ Jesus. So reading that letter, there was absolutely, in my mind, no question where my dad was now. And because of that letter, it allowed me to, as I was continuing to mourn over the next weeks and months and years, but really to get through that time and also have the attitude that, man, my dad's in heaven right now. You know, if, if God went to my dad and said, hey, do you want to go back down to earth? My dad would say, heck no, <laughs> I'll just stay up here. I'll wait on, I'll wait on them. And uh, I just began to develop an attitude of, man, I am so grateful that I had a good dad for as long as I did. When so many people don't have a good dad or don't even know their dad, I can just be grateful that I had a great dad for 19 years of my life. God never promised me or promised anyone that my dad was going to live to be 70, 80, 90 years old. He died at 54 and so I look back at that time and to this day, it was that letter that got me through that time. And even today, as I'm making decisions, whether big or small decisions, I filter it through my dad's letter. And uh, there's been times where I've been kind of in the dumps and it's like, no, dad said, keep going, keep persevering. And it has gotten me through those times. And so I've just realized over the years that how important that letter was to me and is kind of driving what I'm doing now. Wow. Whew. It sounds like that transition period from hospital to hotel was hours. Yeah. By the time we were in the hospital and, you know, we were at the hospital for a couple hours. And then by the time we got home, he died around nine something AM. And I was, I probably got that letter by two or 3 PM. I'm picturing myself in that situation, just jumbled, scrambled thoughts and, feels like eternity, but also feels like two seconds. Right. Oh, yeah. Just spinning, spinning, spinning. And then your mom handing you that letter like time just stopped is how I'm picturing this. Yeah, because it's not like my dad had ever written a letter like this to me before. My dad wasn't like some super touchy-feely guy necessarily. Like, he, it's not... It's, it wasn't like so surprising that he wrote a letter, but it was also not expected either. So it was just like, man, like, like what is, and just knowing that he had spent some time working on this letter, like, wow, even before I read it, it's like, what is this about to say? And so then as, as you start reading it, it's like, man, how in the world did God allow my dad to write this letter months before he died? Mm. Did your mom share in 
any of the reading of it prior to, or had she edited it, or had she actually wrote the whole letter herself? I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> but like, how involved was she with this letter? Was this this all news to her as well? She didn't really know much about the letter. She knew okay. she kind of knew that Dad was working on something, but yeah. towards the end of it, like she didn't really honestly know. I actually asked her about it the other day, and she said, "Yeah, I, I really don't remember." You knowing that your dad was going to, was working on that letter. So, but he had typed it up. And, um, so I think he'd been working on it at work actually. <laughs> <laughs> and your dad was a, a CPA. Yeah, he was CPA. He was a hospital administrator. So he okay. was the okay. CEO of a couple hospitals in Tulsa. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I can imagine sneaking some time at work <laughs> in between things. And... Well, I don't know what he, what else he could have been doing with that time, but whatever else he could have been doing, this was like a hundred times, a thousand times more valuable. Uh, Ooh, because, such a good point. Because this letter that he wrote is, I mean, those the words will last forever and will last my whole life. And uh, this is something my children know, you know, they're still pretty young, but they will know <laughs> about this letter. And uh, so I don't know what else he could have been doing with that time, but this was infinitely more valuable. <laughs> That is such a great point. We've got our right this second perspective, decisions that we make in the minute for the minute, and then the decisions that we make in the time that we spend from an eternal perspective. My understanding, the way it says in the book, you're either going up or down. Right. There isn't much margin for error there. If you miss the bar by just a bit, you're going down forever. So, yeah, what can you do for the eternal perspective, longer term view? So, yeah. I can, wow, that perspective of where the letter was written and perhaps and, you know, back when it was written, I'm certain it was at work because who was doing stuff, you know, at home on a computer back then? Right. <laughs> or a typewriter. Exactly. <laughs> Probably a computer, I imagine. Yeah, it was a computer. It was 2003. So. Three? Okay. Yeah, there we go. Computers. Yep, perspective, internet, whatnot. <laughs> What did that letter do for you? And we can kind of transition in a bit here to, to what that has propelled you to. But what did that letter do for you, not only in that specific time, but over the years until you, uh, you know, had a family and started thinking about this for your own kids? Well, really, that letter just, uh, I would say, would, would, was the overall guiding thing for me as I was making life decisions. I ended up, I got my accounting degree from the University of Arkansas and ended up doing campus ministry for several years. And I don't think I would have done that without my dad's death and this letter he wrote me because all of a sudden everything shifted for me. And I had to, I had to answer this question of, man, do I really believe in God? And if I do believe in God, what does that look like? Um, to live for him. And in this letter, you know, my dad had shared with me about having an eternal perspective and living for things that, that mattered. And he wasn't necessarily saying, hey, go do ministry and, and full-time ministry, but I was faced with a, a choice when I graduated college. And there was, some, there was a, lot of, a lot of things in me that did not want to go into campus ministry for a few years. But I, as I had that eternal perspective, and then I had a lot of people telling me, oh, this isn't a good career decision. But deep in my gut, I knew that it was the right decision. And I knew 
again, my dad's voice was there saying, Hey, sometimes you're going to have to do some things that the world and your friends or family don't necessarily see as the right thing, but you know, is the right thing. And so you've got to have the courage to step out and do those things. And I felt that when I made that decision. And then for the last 15 years, I've told the story, told my dad's story to so many different audiences and almost everybody I talked to is like, wow, like I wish that my father had written a letter like that for me. Or they'll say, man, I hope that my father writes a letter like that to me. And then as I talk to fathers, like there's hardly ever, I don't know if I've ever met a father that says, oh, that would be a terrible idea. No, it's the exact opposite. They're like, oh, I, man, I need to do that for my children. But then as I talk to those fathers again, it's like hardly any of them have actually done it, uh, even though they know the value of it. And so uh, this past year, I just, as I was praying about my future and what I want to give my life to, I mean, man, it just kept coming back to this, you know, and as we talked about earlier and looking at the world that we live in and, and how fathers are needed and fathers need to connect with their children. I was just like, wow, like I've got it. Like my, look at what my dad did for me to connect with me in this way that he's still guiding me to this day, even though he's gone. Like what if every father did this for their children? Like this could be monumental for this country in this world. So I set out and said, man, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to just say it's a good idea. I want to actually do it and not only just inspire dads to do it, but actually, you know, get in the dirt and try to help them uh, write this letter. But I, I share the analogy of uh, a touchdown pass that my dad threw uh, to, to no, that Terry Bradshaw threw to my dad. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Terry Bradshaw threw to my dad's. And as my dad, as Terry Bradshaw connected with my dad, you know, I think that we're trying to connect and score touchdowns with uh, our children. So it was the, the Grantland Rice Bowl, and it was a huge game for Louisiana Tech. It was their first bowl game. First, it's 1968, first time they'd ever been on TV. Oh, wow. Playing, yeah, they were playing Akron, and they took an early lead, but then Akron was starting to come back, and they scored two touchdowns in a row. It's the fourth quarter. Terry Bradshaw drives Louisiana Tech down to the six-yard line, uh, Louisiana or Terry Bradshaw rolls right, dodges an Akron player, and then three defenders basically lunge at him and are trying to bring him down, hanging on him as the story goes. And he stands tall and finds my dad in the end zone, throws him the ball. My dad scores a touchdown and it sealed the victory. I actually told that story the other day and I reached out to Terry Bradshaw. I was like, Hey, I'm telling that story. Right. Right. And he was like, Oh, absolutely, man. Thanks. Thanks so much for bringing me back down memory lane. Cause he, you know, I, he loves thinking about that. And he said, man, I, I loved your dad so much. Uh, he impacted me in so many ways. And he, and he said, man, I loved your dad's laugh. Uh, my dad had like a, be a deep booming laugh. Uh, the same way that those defenders were in the, were going after Terry Bradshaw. I think it's the same way with fathers today. Uh, man, the enemy is coming after us, trying to bring us down, uh, whether it's, man, just the American dream or just the pressures of trying to provide for our family. You know, now we get hit with COVID and we're having to figure that out and how to manage our family and manage our jobs. Uh, I know for me personally, and I, I struggle with getting on my phone and not being present with my family mm -hmm. i can't even have the phone like in the room i've got to like go put it down the out in the truck so that it's not a distraction and so as fathers we have so many distractions coming at us and we've got to stand tall like terry bradshaw and connect with our children 
And I think writing a letter to our children is, as we're trying to score touchdowns with our children so that we can win the game, that I think this is an amazing, so to speak, touchdown that we could score with our children. And I think as you look back at any football game that you won, there's always that one touchdown. They're like, oh man, like that touchdown, it, it was that, after that touchdown, we knew we had won the game. And sometimes that touchdown is at the, in the fourth quarter. And sometimes that touchdown is on the opening kickoff. And you're like, man, once we scored that, we knew it was over. And so my message to dads is um, you might be in the fourth quarter and you might have grown children, but man, now's the time to write this legacy letter because your grown children, children will love this. There's a dad right now I'm helping that children are grown and he can't wait to finish this letter and give it to him. And you can imagine what his children are going to think when they receive this letter from their father. And he has all the memories and uh, the values and, you know, what he thinks about them. And, you know, they're just going to cherish that for the rest of their life. On the other hand, um, I'm helping a guy who is in the first quarter, so to speak. And he's about to score an amazing touchdown with his son, who's not even born yet. And he is writing this letter about how much he loves his son and how proud of him he is. And his son's not even born yet. And this is going to be amazing because for one, my friend doesn't know when his last day on this earth is. So let's say, God forbid, something happens to him and he never gets to meet a son or a son never gets to meet him. Like, do you think that those words on that paper are going to mean something to that child for the rest of his life? Oh my gosh, this is what my dad thought about me. But even if my friend lives a long life, like he, he'll have this letter his child will have this letter. It's like, wow, like even before I was born, my dad believed in me. My dad loved me. And there's just something in us that we want to hear and we need our children, need our fathers to say those words to us. And there's just something when our father does that for us, man, it just like propels us forward. It pushes us forward. It, it gets us through tough times. And, you know, it's, it's like our heavenly father. Like we know that our, we forget it at times, but our heavenly father loved us even before we were born. And even as we were being knit together in our mother's womb, um, he loved us. And so I think this is an incredible way, like writing a letter like this to point our children towards our heavenly father who you know is perfect in every way i wrote a note to both my daughters the other day months ago i kind of put them in a couple different places of the house places where they go where they would definitely find them i went to work came home no mention of it whatsoever <laughs> yeah. i was like oh all right and i thought they just went away you know whatever and i get that night i go to her room and we go get ready to say prayers, go to sleep, that type thing. And I'll be darned if she doesn't have a little magnet on her metal bed and has this letter like up there. Oh yeah. I'm like, okay. I leave it alone for a little bit. A while later I ask her about it. I'm like, hey, I noticed that she says, oh, thank you so much, daddy. Like this means so much to me. And so I'm gonna keep it here forever. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is, you know, depending on the age of our children, there's a good chance they will not be able to communicate exactly what that letter means to them. And maybe they don't even know, because I can assume that 10 years from now, when your daughter pulls that letter back out and she might be going through a tough time or who knows, and then she's like, oh my gosh, yeah, this, these Yeah, and it, it was two, three, four sentences of encouragement and things I appreciated about her. Just, you know, there wasn't much thought that went into it other than I want to write her a quick note 
and my other daughter a quick note, and I also wrote one for my wife as well, but just uh, something to change the, the, I think it was during COVID, so like when we're all locked down, like let's just change the attitude of the family a little bit, break up the routine, and then they all kind of completely ignored it, so I thought, until I saw what they each did with them, and the, the one in particular, I remember keeping it forever, Daddy. Yep. So. Well, I think the enemy would love for us to believe that our voices aren't as powerful as they are. We absolutely know the power of a father's voice, and we we've have to take those opportunities to step into that. I love the letter idea. So think about when you go to the mailbox, what's the only real reason to go to the mailbox? <laughs> it's not to get junk mail. <laughs> get the bills, junk mail. No, you're you're. <laughs> hoping there's a wedding invitation you're hoping that maybe somebody wrote a note like maybe there's something personal from a friend family member that came to you like those handwritten notes when they do show up or you're like yes this is it i get one so i'm just so in, in handwriting or typing but that personal intentional written communication just is becoming more rare and rare and rare these days. So I was just so excited to hear about you diving into the topic and creating this opportunity. And in my words, I was like, man, I can see a million men doing this. Yeah. And I've, I've told other dads, it's such a simple idea. Like writing a letter has been around for a long time. And with all the technology and everything that we have, you know, to talk about writing a letter, it just seems, you know, so simple. But everything I, that I you guys are afraid of it. Uh, you know, I had a public relations background going through college and that what that meant was I learned how to write. Yeah. However, I'm still afraid to write today because I don't use that skill all that often. And writing a letter, I'm thinking something as permanent and big deal as that. I'm like, oh, I'm afraid. It, it's a little intimidating. Well, so yeah. And see, you know, that's what I realized this past year is that I've, as I've tried to inspire fathers to write this letter and you have to ask questions like, why aren't dads actually writing a letter like this? And there's so many different reasons, but like what you said, it's, it's kind of intimidating, overwhelming. How do I write this? You know, I don't want to mess this up. You know, I want to make sure I do it right. So then you just kind of get stuck or just life happens. And so, as you know, there's really good things that we want to do. Like I've been saying for years that I'm going to start uh, working out and really get in shape, but why haven't I? Because I don't have accountability in my life and other people to do it with. Everybody uh, reach out to Blake, he's all over Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot him your workout pictures and yeah. uh, programs and stuff yeah, like that. inspire me. Well, and so I was just like, man, I've got to do more than just inspire. And so that's why we created the Legacy Letter Challenge, which is a 10 lesson course that really helps fathers uh, write this letter. And so, what we, what I believe is that every father already has the letter inside them. It's already in their heart. And so this process just helps get the letter from the heart, from the mind into a piece of paper. And so I, I do the best that I can to help fathers do that and kind of hold their hand. And we have some different exercises and we talk through, you know, some different sections of the letter. The last thing I want to do is hand you a template and then you just change out the names in it. No, this is absolutely your letter that you're going to write to your children and that they're going to cherish for the rest of your life. And then also in our course, we really ask some good questions to make you think like, what are the things that you want to pass down to your children? Because this thing's going to be powerful and uh, just kind of like a fire is really powerful. You don't want to misuse fire. I was talking to a father the other day and he's like, man, if I had written my letter 10 years ago without any help, I would have given some really bad advice to my children. 
And I would have, he's like, I was in the middle of my career and I would have encouraged them that the, to be successful in life, you have to be successful in your career. Cause he's like, that's where I was at as a father. And I talked to another friend the other day who his dad wrote him a letter and the letter went south because his dad basically, instead of apologizing for things he messed up on, he started uh, to rationalize and make excuses for the things that he had messed up on and why he had left his mom. And so the letter meant nothing. And I think the father probably had good intentions there. So, and just didn't go about it the right way. So the course kind of helps you think through and make sure and help you realize, hey, this thing's going to be powerful. You want to make sure that you are saying the things that you want to guide your children long past your life is over Mm because this is going to be so special to them. And so we walk them through that process and help, help dads think through, you know, what do you want to have on your letter? What memories do you want to have? What values do you want to have? Here's the things that your children need to hear. But I think the most important thing about this, this challenge and when a dad signs up for it, and this is why so many dads are signing up for it is because they, they want to get the letter written and on their own, they know that they're, they're probably not going to get it written. And so uh, they, they want the accountability to say, okay, no, I'm going to get this done. And I'm going to get at least one. No, there's a lot of dads out there that are writing one a year or even more than that, but at least one letter. One, you don't know when your last day on this earth is. So you got to have that one letter for your children. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about this, man. I'm, I'm excited. As you talked about the million dads, like, man, this is going to be amazing when we get. Yeah, there. absolutely. As, as you're describing that, I'm thinking to myself, I might learn something about myself as I'm going through this process. One, it sounds simple. Sounds easy to do. Somebody's already got a program and you can just plug your way through. But I'm thinking I might learn something about myself throughout this process also. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. And that's what these guys that I'm helping right now, they're having to think through, um, you know, what are the things that are most value, you know, that I value the most. You know, there's maybe a hundred things that I want to teach my kids, but here's here's like the top three. So now they're like, okay, now I kind of know how to spend my time, you know, going forward. I want to make sure not pass this letter that I'm fathering in this way. But it is one dad told me, he's like, man, I, I have all these thoughts about my children. And then just the process of writing this letter is helping me get those thoughts organized so that I know exactly how I want to lead my children. And it does make you stop and say, okay, yeah, like what is the most important thing in my life? Um, it's my family and I want to lead my family and, and be a good father to them. It's, yeah, I want to have a good career too, or, you know, I've got to provide for my family, but just this process of writing this letter makes you stop and think those things. And it's so refining. So I'm so excited about this, this course and this challenge for that. I mean, at the end of it, you have a letter that, that you're finished, but also just bam, at the end of it, you are absolutely a better father. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm, I'm, I got chills. I'm, I'm fired up. Uh, let's get this class organized today. Let's do this tonight. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, like I mentioned, I don't think dads, I don't you know necessarily have to have a course to get the letter done, but man, I, I would love the privilege of helping any father out there write a well-meaning, well-thought-out written letter to your children. And so if any dad wants to, man, go to LegacyLetterMovement.com. The, the yeah, so let's talk about it. We, we have, at the end of every episode, we like to finish off with a challenge. So I love the fact that you call yours the Legacy Letter Challenge. Yep. So... To finish off, like, however you want to finish this off, but, like, 
tell us how to do this. Like the guys that got this far that are like, okay, this sounds like something I want to engage. You know, maybe you just fire one off a computer real quick or maybe you take a few months to think about it. But for those that really want to dive in and just craft something, I do. I really want to do this. Like this is exciting to me. How do we, how do we plug in? How do we make this happen? Like, so the, here's the challenge this week, guys. Write a letter to your kids. And I would encourage you to, to join Blake's program so that you can write a great letter to your kids and take all the stress and pressure off you to write this great letter because, man, he's researched this and got this figured out and will help you all the way through the process. So tell us how we can accept this challenge and do a great job and have this legacy letter for our kids that, that the one that's in us come out of us and get onto paper. Yeah, well, you can join the challenge. You can join the movement that my dad started. He wrote uh, letter number one. I'm, I'm, so I'm just taking this movement that my dad didn't even know that he started when he wrote me that letter and keeping it going. So someone can go to legacylettermovement.com and you can read more about, you know, what we do and what you'll get up, get about, get out of it, but just sign up right there. Uh, the course is normally $149 because of you, Dan, and how much I love you and <laughs> what you're about. Any of your guys can get $20 off with the code, uh, your name. So okay. Dan, then L-U-I-G-S, no space, and they'll get 20 bucks off and they'll immediately have access to the first lesson and get going. You can go, go through it uh, kind of at your own pace, but we, I definitely recommend guys taking some time to go through it. You know, this isn't a letter that I'm sure, Dan, you've never done this, but when I buy my wife a Valentine's Day card, it's like I buy it, buy it at Walgreens, and I where, write. Where do we fill it out at? Yeah, in the car. I in fill the car. It, write, write a card really <laughs> quick, and then go inside and hand it to her. And that is not the type of letter that we're. Oh my about. gosh, I've got such great intentions with that Valentine card too. I think about it a few weeks in advance. <laughs> I might even buy it a few weeks in advance and keep it hidden in the car. <laughs> but when yeah. it actually gets written. Yeah, right beforehand. Yeah, so this is something that you know our course helps you like kind of mold over and think about it. You know, I like to tell dads, you know, it took 12 years to write Lord of the Rings. And so with any great writing, uh, it takes some time to make sure that you get it right and think about it. So you go through the lessons and at the end of it, you'll have a letter. And I, you know, I'm, I'm there to guide dads. If they have any questions, they ask. And then I have, you know, once a week, I have office hours where guys jump on, and, you know, video call and they could ask me any questions and we do whatever we can to get that letter written. Mm, that is fantastic. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on so much. How, how can guys get in touch with you? We've got uh, LegacyLetterMovement.com, but then any other places? Well, if you follow me on my Instagram account, so we try to post uh, two or three times a day. So the endurance underscore. So uh, we've got some great interviews that we've done on there. And uh, we put some, we, we say we're celebrating Father's Day 365 days on there. So we have some good stuff on there. Great. So main, mainly Instagram. Mainly Instagram. Yep. All right. Well, fantastic. I appreciate you doing the most important thing, honoring your father. Oh yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. And that's what I told some dads last week who were working on their letter. I'm like, I know this letter is for you and for your children, but you guys don't know how much this means to me because we're getting to honor my dad's legacy by your letters. And so I just appreciate you guys so much for taking, take, for being a part of that. Yeah, and as you mentioned, we are so impactful on what our kids think and do and their futures. And this letter is going to help seal that, put some authority behind it and, you know, give them some guidance. I think about John Wooden and how he honors his father all the time. And you read about that. And I'm so thankful that you've created this 
and have these tools set up so that guys can do this. And, and I do. I believe a million guys are going to engage this challenge and literally can change the world with it. So thank you, Blake. Well, I appreciate you, Dan, and bringing <laughs> me on and helping me further this movement. I'm proud, honored, grateful. I appreciate it so much. So Appreciate you, Dan. You bet. Thank you, Blake. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.